Welcome to today's episode of the Chiropractic Revolution Podcast. Today's episode is a recording from Dr. Scott Jensen, who gave a special speech to everyone at the Minnesota event back in September for the Chiropractic Revolution. This is a recording of that. Dr. Scott Jensen is a former candidate for the Minnesota governor, but he's an award-winning family doctor. Enjoy today's episode. One of our exclusive sponsors of the Chiropractic Revolution is Grow Your Chiropractice. And if you're a chiropractor and you want to know how you can get more quality patients on autopilot, then you definitely want to contact Sebastian and his team at Grow Your Chiropractice. You can learn more on how they can help or request a free audit on your online marketing from their website at growyourchiropractice.com. Again, that's growyourchiropractice.com. We want to thank them so much for being a sponsor of the Chiropractic Revolution podcast. Thank you. Thanks for being here. Susie said it right. It was Esther 414. But before Esther 414, there was a different 414, and that was Exodus. And if you go to Exodus 414, the words will come out, and God's anger smoldered. What was God's anger smoldering about? Well, Moses was turning down the job that God was offering him. Moses was saying, you know, that's, that's really not my shtick. You know, I, I don't speak that well, and I've got other stuff to do. You know, there's got to be someone else that would do this better. God wasn't having it. So then we go to Esther 414, if you considered you're in the position you're in for such a time as this. Then we go to John 414. And in John 414, we see Jesus at the well talking to the woman. And he says, but whoever drinks of the water I give him will never thirst because the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Then we go to Ephesians 4.14. And it says, We need not be like children tossed about by the waves of cunning men and deceit. And then we close with Hebrews 4.14. Hold fast to the beliefs you profess. I think probably everybody in this room at some point in time might have been willing to consider that had they been offered the job Jonah was given to go to Nineveh, pretty tough duty, they might well have made the same decision he did. No, thank you. I'd like to take a cruise on the Mediterranean. But the whale got in the way. And that's what we're dealing with, the whale. And if we don't recognize what the whale looks like, we are not going to be able to fend for ourselves and our posterity in the days and the years to come. That's why I'm here today. I want to talk about what happened to us, not just over the last year, but over the last three and a half years, not just in regards to COVID, but what happened to us in our essence? What happened to us in the way we dealt with one another? Because it was abrupt, it was sudden, it was treacherous, and at some level, it was heartbreaking. So let's go back. At the beginning, in April of 2020, I had no idea that I was going to occupy some central role in, quote, being this whistleblower. I'm no whistleblower. I'm just a family doc in the trenches who thinks that for a long time, it's been the chiropractic profession and related professionals that have carried the banner telling patients, not only are you able 
but you should be your own best champion of your healthcare. That has not been a Western conventional, if you will, axiomatic thing that we go by. In the world I was raised in, it was more, I don't have time for your questions. So listen to what I got to say. I'll see you again in three months and move on. So at the beginning, three and a half years ago, when I raised my hand and said, listen, you're asking me to do something different with death certificates. I've never done this before. I was the vice chair of the Health and Human Services Committee. I was in the Senate. I had a good working relationship with Jan Malcolm. I had no idea what was to come. I simply said, if you're going to treat influenza, pneumonia, or asthma as a contributing condition, then you have to treat COVID the same way. You cannot take a stage four end-of-life hospice colon cancer patient who in their last 24, 48 hours of life happens to be exposed to someone who after death, after the patient's death, this grandson or nephew was identified as having COVID. Patient was never tested, never thought to be tested. But to put down as the cause of death COVID for that colon cancer patient was just wrong. I didn't get any satisfaction from the Department of Health, but I did develop the opportunity to have a new pen pal, and that's the Minnesota Board of Medical Practice. Two months later, for the first time in my career, I was being investigated. My ability to take care of patients was being called into question because I had not followed the rules. So what really did I do that was so remarkable? I simply was skeptical. And I was raised as a skeptical kid in our household in Sleepy Eye, Minnesota. Our country has always been a skeptical country. Our founding fathers were skeptical of our ability to live long-term under English rule without adequate representation. They did crazy things like tea parties in the Boston Harbor and things like that. But we are a skeptical nation. Sometimes we might want to present ourselves as being more altruistic. But I think it's better just to be brutally honest. We have compulsory education, not because we're trying to be noble, but it's because we're selfish. We know that if America is a nation where everybody has some ability to read, write, and do arithmetic, that will make us a stronger nation. That will give everybody the opportunity to dream about starting their own business, doing their own thing, writing a contract, signing a contract. We know that. So let's dispense with trying to create altruism out of simply rational common sense. I am a skeptic, and I suspect you are as well. And that's what we have to lift up. A skeptic asks the questions. A skeptic understands that frequently more will get done with the ideally placed question than the pontificated answer. But what was, what was the reason we have to be skeptical? The reason is because the entire linchpin of what's gone on in the last three and a half years, without question, was censorship. What is censorship? Well, if you look it up in Webster Mirror, you can get all kinds of descriptions. But I would tell you this. It's squashing something you don't want to see the light of day. That's what censorship is. That's why I'm suing the Minnesota Board of Medical Power. They don't get to do this. And Keith Ellison doesn't get to tell me and you that he's not going to abide by the Public Data Practices Act, 
whereby I get to know what went through his office in terms of having my name on it. If he was being queried by the Minnesota Board of Medical Practice as to whether or not I had been guilty of something that they could go after me, if he was questioned on that, then he's part of it. And he has told us, I'm not going to comply. I'm not going to comply with the Minnesota Data Practices Act. I'm not going to comply with the act in Minnesota that resembles the FOIA Act federally. And we said, yes, you are. And that's why we're suing Keith Ellison personally as well. So we've got two lawsuits going forward right now. I think a lot of the reason that people came after me six different times, 20 different allegations, was they want me scared. Which is the problem. The key ingredient to the lawsuit that I'm bringing against Keith Ellison and the Minnesota board has to do with free speech versus conduct. The Minnesota Board of Medical Practice has every right to evaluate and investigate as to whether or not my professional conduct in the care of patients meets the standard. But they do not have the right to tell me that I can't express my opinion on the Senate floor or at a governor's campaign event or whatever in terms of whether or not a five micron pore mask can hold back a particle that's one fiftieth the size of that. I am too skeptical to buy into that, and I don't think that you can put a chain-link fence up in your backyard to keep the gnats out. And that's what they were basically telling me I had to buy into. So we need to understand that, con if you will, censorship was, was literally the linchpin for everything they were doing. They wanted to kick aside the Constitution. They wanted to say that I don't get to tell people why it's so important that we be honest about what the cause of death was. Representative Mary Franzen and I did an audit in the end of 2020, and we found death certificates whereby someone had died as a result of a motor vehicle accident, and yet it had COVID-19 as a cause of death. This was wrong. But what allowed that skepticism that I naturally come by to be so squashed and censorship to be so important to the people who didn't want me speaking up? What helped that along? Because there were some participating players. One of them, research. The medical research that was done from 2001 to 2020 in regards to SARS-CoV-1, SARS-CoV-1, which afflicted about 10,000 people, that research for 20 years had demonstrated several things. You didn't hear about some of them. You didn't hear that 85% of people that had SARS-CoV-1 still had antibody protection five years later. You didn't hear that 85% of people had that kind of lasting natural immunity. What you heard was that natural immunity wasn't a real thing, and that's why you had to take a vaccine. Research was kicked aside. that was well done. It was peer-reviewed, and it was frequently double-blinded. What else contributed to this incredible process of the last three and a half years? Academia. Where were our university professors? Where were our scientists saying, we need to have a conversation about this? How is it that Tony Fauci and Mike Osterholm can tell us in January of 2020 that for heaven's sakes, you don't need to wear a mask? That's not going to do anything for you. But four or five months later, they've absolutely changed their tune. And they're saying, you've got to wear a mask, otherwise you're killing grandma. And then we see Tony Fauci's famous picture at the ball game where he's not wearing a mask. And we saw him sort of say, these rules are for you, not for me. This is what we saw happen. 
We saw mainstream media step up to the plate and say, we're going to do everything we can to elevate what the CDC and the FDA are saying. Well, you are going to get in line. We saw bullies. And when I think of bullies, I think of the triad of tyranny, big pharma, big tech, and big government. They colluded. They conserved one another's interests. You saw big tech absolutely undermine a very reasonable message like the Great Barrington Declaration and elevate, elevate the absolute squashing of the possibility that COVID-19 came from a lab. Well, now we've got the Department of Energy, we've got the FBI, and we've got a lot of other people. Probably 80 to 90% of the players in this recognize clearly that someone who says that the COVID-19 origination came from a lab is not unreasonable. But fact of the matter is they're probably correct. We know that we have a legacy with this COVID-19 that we would never have thought. I thought that I'd go to my grave thinking that the most important thing that would happen in my life was either the civil rights movement in the 1960s or the Vietnam War. Those two things were absolutely paramount in my life growing up. Well, I'm certainly not underestimating at all those events in my life, but I'll tell you, what COVID-19 did to our families, our businesses, our neighborhoods, this is a legacy we won't get over for centuries. We'll look back on the humankind's history. We saw lockdowns of businesses, locking in of nursing home patients into a facility that was infested with virus that was moving around. And these people died horrific deaths. We saw children locked out of their schools. We saw children locked out of the one place where they might feel safe. We saw this go on over and over. We saw the overdiagnosis of the COVID-19. All we had to do, didn't have to test two out of three cardinal symptoms, shortness of breath, cough, fever. You got two out of three, you got COVID. What was the benefit of that? If it's COVID, everything's paid for. It's on the house. Don't have to worry about your patients. Don't have to worry about how big the bill was. You can even add on a little bit if you want. You can do tests you don't need to do. Bottom line, if it was COVID, it was paid for. If it was COVID, the hospital was paid. If you had enough COVID in the hospital, if you hit 161 COVID diagnoses at the end of the discharge when you did the discharge summary, 161 between January 1, 2020, Jan, Jan, June 10th, 2020, you got $77,000 per patient on top of what you've already been paid. We had 12 systems in Minnesota that collected millions and millions of dollars. We had many other systems that didn't know those rules existed. They didn't even know what rules they could play by. We saw natural immunity be disparaged. We saw the goalposts being moved. Remember the old, and the axiom, flatten the curve, don't overwhelm the healthcare facilities. Don't overwhelm the healthcare facilities. Flatten the curve over and over again. We saw modeling that was ludicrous. We saw modeling that was done and contributed in a significant way by people who had never done modeling before. 22, 23-year-old people that were saying, hey, you want to spend a weekend working with us on these models? We saw mask mandates that didn't make any sense at all. They defied. They defied common sense, and the Cochrane reviews have come out and said whether you wore a mask or not didn't matter at all. We had studies that showed that if you wore masks more often, you might have more COVID. We now have studies right now that are showing that if you got vaccinated, your likelihood of getting COVID was greater. I just did a Facebook Live about two hours ago, and it's gone pretty crazy, and I'm going to imagine it's probably going to take down. But I point out the California prison study that was done that showed that if you were vaccinated, 
you had 150% likelihood from a relative risk standpoint of getting COVID than if you hadn't been vaccinated. Cleveland Clinic had similar data. So whether you're talking about the California prison system or the Cleveland Clinic, the data is there. We saw an epidemic of fear and an expansion of government. We saw a total lack of transparency. We saw legitimate treatments absolutely kicked aside. You didn't hear Tony Fauci get up on national TV and say, do things like get off the couch, commit yourself to losing three pounds in the next week, get on some vitamin C, some vitamin D, some zinc, do some natural things. You didn't hear any of that. What you heard was hydroxychloroquine is bad. Ivermectin is horse paste. But in the meantime, let us use this Paxilvid. Let us use these products that certainly don't, in the data, give us a high degree of comfort. Because if it did, we might be able to say it without having an EUA protecting us. These are the things we saw over and over again. And in the end, we saw immunization programs rolled out as if there was a carnival. Come on and get a vaccine. Maybe you'll win the lottery. Maybe we'll give you a free education. You'll get tickets to the concert. Whatever, whatever, whatever. Is this responsible public health? I don't think so. So in the end, what we saw was an awful lot of abuse of our rights. We saw government intrude on our personal liberties. We know that the Constitution matters. We know that the Second Amendment, we know that the First Amendment with free speech and free freedom of religion and freedom of the press and freedom to assemble and freedom to petition, we know these things matter. We know that the 14th Amendment matters because everybody's entitled to due process. We know these things, but they didn't happen. We learned that if you didn't speak the light narrative, you were going to be squashed. And in the end, we learned that government certainly wasn't our friend. Government said, we'll come after you. The video I did a couple hours ago, I said, you can't make this stuff up. In the month of September alone, and we're only on the 22nd day of September, we have seen Google come forth and pay $93 million to California. Why? Because Google tracked and traced us against our will, against our knowledge. The state of California, what an unlikely role for it to play, protested. And so Google is paying $93 million to California. But before we, before we let California get off the hook, in this same month, we had Governor, Governor Gavin Newsom say to meet the press that if he had to do it over again, he would do everything different. He acknowledges that the policies he put in place, the rigid policies that he put in place, didn't do anything. He acknowledges that he would do everything different. Today, I got an email from the Department of Health. I don't know, Bob, if you got that one or not. I don't know why I read these things, but I read it. And it said this. The vaccine information sheets that we are to hand out when a patient gets a vaccine. Well, for people 12 years and up, they're not ready yet. They're not done. So these VIS forms, the vaccine information sheets, they're not ready. But then it said in this email, but don't let that stop you from vaccinating them anyway. Vaccinate them without the VIS, which is a critical part of the informed consent. But then it went on to say, but you can't vaccinate without informing the patient first. And we've already told you that the key piece that you have 
to inform them is not there. So we've got some alternatives whereby you can provide the information that a patient or their guardian would need. What do you think those alternative sources were? It said, go to Moderna's site, read what they have to say about their vaccine. It said, go to the Pfizer site. You can go to the CDC and read a review on vaccines. You can't make this stuff up. They tell us that the vaccine information sheets that are supposed to be a critical part of informed consent are not available, but go ahead and vaccinate them today anyway. You can't make this stuff up. So I made some phone calls. I wanted to find out what's Pfizer getting paid for each vaccine now, this monovalent vaccine that they released this week. But I thought, I need some context. What am I getting paid? Well, we don't do COVID vaccines, so I didn't have any data on that. But we do do flu shots. Done them for years for a variety of reasons. And we get about 25 bucks if you amalgamate the various reimbursements we get from commercial companies and Medicare. 25 bucks. Okay. So what's Moderna? What's Pfizer? What are they going to get? Are they getting 25 bucks? No, they're getting $125 per vaccine dose. That's why Pfizer set all the records in 2021 for a drug company to make more than $35 billion in net revenues on a product for which they had no liability whatsoever. So this is why we're here today, because I think we understand at some level, if we don't understand what happened to us, what were the key factors, we won't be as ready next time. And it's unfortunate that even now we're starting to talk about next time. We're already seeing the ripples. I had patients in today, moms and dads, fearful that their kids were going to be mandated to wear masks in order to attend school. We may literally be on the next time before we've even finished with the last time. So we need to remember that the key, the key to the whole thing, was all about censorship. You can't let them squash your voice. And you have a voice. And when you put your voice alongside the voice of the people that you deal with on a daily basis, whether they be your patients, your colleagues, your family, the people you, you worship with, when you put your voice there, you can do so much more. Ben Franklin once said, if you wanted to try to undermine country based on liberty, first thing you have to do is you have to squash voices. Edmund Burke said, the only thing necessary for evil to prevail is for good people to do nothing. You come to an event like this because you know that in the Constitution, it starts out, we the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union. We're not there, but we're going to keep on trying. And the way we do that is you keep elevating your voice and we hang together and we understand that at the end of the day, censorship is the one tool that big tech, big pharma, and big government will never let go of. And we can't let them. Thank you so much. Do me a favor. This is really important. Don't, don't leave us yet. If you like today's episode, share it with your friends and your family or anyone else in the chiropractic community. 
If you're interested in becoming an ambassador, make sure to visit thecairorevolution.com. Select the Ambassadors tab. Read what you get when joining the community. Hit the Shop tab and join the TCR community. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. We will see you next time.